0: Hello, fantasy and fairy tale fans. My name is Jess, and this is Cam Cat Unwrapped. You've been listening to Goldspun, which the School Library Journal refers to as, quote, an enchanting retelling, end quote, of a classic fairy tale. It was an IBPA Benjamin Franklin Award finalist and featured in Writer's Digest, Locust Magazine, The Nerd Daily, and more. But you don't want to hear about any of that from me because here in studio with us, we have Brandy June, the author of Goldspun. Brandy, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for those of you who are watching us on YouTube, you can see. But those of us listening at home, let me just tell you, behind Brandy is this honestly, work of art of a dress. Um, Is this made of pages of your book or? No, I
1: actually made this dress years before Goldspun came out. It was a used book I got for a dollar at a bookstore, mostly because it had the aesthetic of pages that I liked. I think it was like the history of everything or how to create things. So I bought it and ripped out a bunch of the pages.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So the top of this dress has this white lace with gold beading. It's absolutely beautiful. And then the bottom is just layers upon layers of pages of this book with gold paint and some, uh, I don't even know what this drapery is, but it's absolutely beautiful. Um, what inspired you to make this? I, Years ago, was doing some YouTube videos called the Knowledge
1: Fairy. So I wanted to make a a, like Knowledge Fairy dress. And so I bought, I I don't have great sewing skills, but I think I'm very crafty. So I bought a $10 prom dress from a thrift store as sort of the base and then added in like the lace at the top and added all these pages, which I had painted with gold and glitter and then more glitter. And so I used a sewing machine and just sewed them on. I was thinking kind of like layers or ruffles, um, mostly just with the idea that more is more. So just kind of went all out with
0: it. I love it. And I'm absolutely in awe, really. I I can't stop looking at it. It's so beautiful. Um, But I guess I will actually focus on you, the person I'm here to talk to. (laughs) So Brandy, tell us about yourselves. I would love to know about the person who created these two masterpieces, golden masterpieces.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I, I've just always loved fairy tales. I've always loved fantasy. I was a rather awkward child growing up, so escaping into fantasy, especially fantasy books, was a big thing for me. And uh, But I got into writing a bit later on because when I was younger, I was very much into theater. I really wanted to be an actor. I spent a lot of my childhood on stage, I went to UCLA, I majored in theater. Several years after college, I realized it wasn't really paying the bills. So I went back to school and got my MBA in entertainment marketing. So I do work during the day as a marketing director for kids and family and anime entertainment, which has been really helpful because it's given me a lot of ideas and concepts that I use when marketing myself and my books but I still wanted a creative outlet. And what I found that I really love with writing um, that I also loved as an actor is the element of storytelling. And as an actor, you're really living in the story. But what I also love is as a writer, you get to create the story. So I started rather small with short stories, with short plays, and then eventually just kept expanding them into longer plays, into longer, longer books. I participated in NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, where you have the goal of writing 50,000 words in the month of November. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) And it's a crazy goal, but what's really helpful is it helps get you out of your head as a writer. So many people get stuck self-editing and they want what they write to be perfect the first time around so that they never finish writing. And because... 50,000 words in a month is such a massive goal. You just have to write this super messy draft. But at the end of the month, you have something that you can then edit. And one year, I didn't have an idea for a overall book story. So I decided, okay, I'll write 26 short stories based on every letter of the alphabet for fantasy and mythology. And I admittedly did not get to all 26, but... <laughs> For R, I picked Rumpelstiltskin and decided to write a short story about what it would look like if he was the hero instead of the villain. Mm. And that was a really fun exploration of just twisting the tropes of the original story. And while Goldspun is very different from that original story, it got me very excited about the, Rumpelstor- Rump- <laughs> sorry, the Rumpelstiltskin story, sure. and I wanted to dive more into the characters And I especially wanted to dive more into the character of the Miller's Daughter because as much as I love old fairy tales, they're so, the characters can be so flat and are archetypal, but they don't have a lot of depth to them. And in Rumpelstiltskin, the Miller's Daughter is such a damsel in distress the entire time. Her dad says she can spin the gold. The king forces her to do it. So I really wanted to give her more agency. Sure. Sure. So she, does, she doesn't even have a name in a story that's all about the importance of names. Yeah. So wow. I gave yeah. her a name and thought, what would give her the most agency? And so I was like, well, what if she's the one who says she can spin the straw into gold? Not necessarily the best choice, but at least she's the one making her own decisions. So I turned her into a con artist and thought, OK, so now she's the one driving the action and and she gets herself into trouble and has to figure out ways to hopefully get out of it but what was important to me was to let the miller's daughter really take the spotlight and shine as the one
0: kind of driving her own actions i absolutely can relate to escaping to this fantasy fairy tale world as a kid and Rumpel oh, rumpelstiltskin was one of my favorites so i love that you've really taken it so much further and and really dove into the story dived dove Dove into the story. I jumped right in. You jumped <laughs> right in. I'm like, being in publishing, maybe you should know the difference. Um, That's what editing's for. You're right. But I love what you said about giving the Miller's daughter her name, giving her agency, and actually one of the things that I just found to be really cool and powerful in your telling of Rumpelstiltskin was how all of the characters, especially the female characters, and even the ones who weren't really directly a part of the main plot of the story. We have Alana and Flora and Constance. These are all characters that I just felt so personally attached to as I was watching their growth throughout the story. And I love that you just gave them so much character, even though they weren't really that important to the plot. So what made you choose to focus so much on them?
1: I'm very much a character-driven person. I do write books that are pretty fast paced and action, you know, they clip along. But the way I start my stories is really diving into the characters. Long before I outline, I spend a lot of time just playing around with thinking about who the characters are. And I do think a lot of that comes from my acting background where you're used to literally getting into character. So I spend a lot of time getting into character, only it's the characters that I'm writing and, and thinking about what what motivates them what what do they like what don't they like what are their you know what is their story arc even if they are a supporting character i spent a lot of time because one of my goals with writing goldspun is i wanted the three main characters so the miller's daughter who is nor in my book and the rumplestiltskin character who is pal in my book as well as the king who is prince casper in my book and i wanted each of them to be a complicated person. I wanted each of them to be empathetic in certain ways because Rumpelstiltskin is so clearly the villain in the original or the Miller Star is so clearly, you know, a completely perfect heroine. And I wanted, and I actually think the king is kind of a villain in the original. And I, I wanted, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I wanted each of them to be more empathetic. I wanted the reader to root for each of them at times. I wanted the reader to be like, oh, I don't know if you should have made that decision at times too. So
0: I just really love thinking about what makes my characters tick. Well, I feel like you're answering so many of my questions <laughs> before I even get there, which is kind of amazing. As a storyteller, I'm definitely getting that sense from you. Uh, but I guess if you could dive into a little bit more, you said you know you felt so inclined to tell the story of the Miller's daughter in Rumpelstiltskin why was it Rumpelstiltskin as opposed to Cinderella, Snow White, all of these other big fairy tales that you were so drawn to? If you can dive into yeah, it, I mean, more. I,
1: I could talk about just about anything with this book at length. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love, as I mentioned, I love fairy tale retellings. I love the element uh, for a good fairy tale retelling. I feel you have this sense of something almost sacred in the way that these stories have been shared for. Hundreds and hundreds of years. So there's something that that feels inherently familiar. But with a really good retelling, you get that sense along with not knowing what's coming next and getting a new experience. And that's what I love about retellings. And there are some retellings of some of the more mainstream stories like Cinderella, like Sleeping Beauty, like Beauty and the Beast that I adore. But I do feel like a lot of them have been done a lot And Rumpelstiltskin is one that I thought would have been done a little less often. I thought it was a lot more fun to play with with the different characters in that one. So I think that was a bit fresher
0: to me and that's what really kind of drew me into this this retelling in particular. Sure. Well, on the topic of retellings that I'm so curious, being that there are so many iterations of the same stories out there, especially over fairy tales, What was that? What kind of challenges did you face in writing this retelling? What was that like for you?
1: So I didn't consider, I didn't really think too much about what else was out there while I was writing Goldspun, especially because at the time I was writing it, there also weren't a lot of Rumpelstiltskin retellings. And there are a few more out now, and a lot of them are, are fantastic. One of the interesting things that did happen is after I had signed with Camcat and Goldspun was officially going to be a book. I found out Marissa Mayer, one of my like favorite authors who did the Lunar Chronicles, was coming out with her own Rumplestiltskin retelling called Gilded, which was both oh, wow, exciting and also a bit intimidating and terrifying sure. of like this, you know, icon of fairy tale retellings coming out with a Rumplestiltskin one. So I figured I kind of had like the the two different thoughts was oh goodness, this is Awful and terrible, and I'm terrified. But my other thought was, wouldn't it be great to to talk to her about that? And she has her own podcast called the the Happy Writer Podcast. And so I I just cold emailed her through you know through her podcast site to be like, hey, I'm a debuting author. I also have a gold spun. I I also have a Rumplestiltskin retelling called Goldspun. And if you're interested, I would love to come be on your podcast. And both of us can talk about Rumpelstiltskin, what inspired us, you know, where, you know, what we felt was important to keep the original and where we diverged and how, you know, we both took very different approaches to retelling. And she actually got back to me and was like, this sounds like a great idea. And
0: I was on her podcast. and It was very exciting. <laughs> oh, wow. That is really cool. I can't imagine the different types of steps you guys had to take in order to get to your final destinations, which leads me to my next question of what was that like to have this original that you want to stay true to and you want to keep the major elements of telling the story of Rumpelstiltskin but still adding your own twist still giving emphasis to the characters that you want to give emphasis to what is it like to have kind of an outline that you have to follow to some extent as you're trying to create your own story
1: so I had I had an issue early on that I kept rewriting the beginning because I wasn't entirely sure what, where I wanted to go with it. And so there were times I'm like, oh, maybe I want to add in other fairy tales as well and would rewrite, or maybe I don't and then rewrite. And I really wasn't getting anywhere. So what I had to do, I'm I'm an outliner. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a plotter who does not always stick to the outline, but that is, I need that framework. Okay. And that's something I've discovered about myself. You know, everyone has their own writing process. Sure. So working on that, what helped me a lot was to come up with what key elements of the original tale did I want to keep? Because the fun thing and the exciting thing about fairy tale retellings is you don't have to keep all of them. In fact, you shouldn't. You're doing your own retelling.
0: Absolutely.
1: So while there are certain things, for example, you know, the miller's daughter promising her firstborn to Rumpelstiltskin. Mm-hmm. Is a part of the original tale. And I'm like this. I don't think this fits with my character. So I threw it out the window. And certain people in my critique group at the time. Were like but what about this part. I'm like this is, this is my retelling. I get to decide what I keep. And what I don't. And I thought what what I wanted to keep. Is spinning the, the straw into gold. And having you know. Having people believe that. Nor could spin straw into gold. So the king making her do it. And Rumpelstiltskin Pell, in my book coming to help her I was like okay those are kind of the key elements that I want in there and what really drew me in as I was outlining and I was thinking about this was the okay but then what happens so in Rumpelstiltskin where a lot of it's like okay we're gonna get married and that's great I had the idea of like but she's very much a fish out of water in this court so what does it look like after she provides this room of gold and For me, kind of really thinking about that and helped kind of come up with the outline.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you had mentioned earlier on how Rumpelstiltskin is a very clear antagonist in the tale of Rumpelstiltskin and how you strove to make Pell and even Prince Casper and Noor more sympathetic characters, but with their own flaws as well. So making Pell more sympathetic keeping, you know, true to Rumble Siltskin and all of what that's about. How did you, how did you even go about that? It, it,
1: it was a balance. I would say, you know, I made him into, you know, a handsome, mysterious fairy boy, <laughs> which already uh, most of my readers are more inclined to want to know about than kind of a Gobble-y. hideous goblin <laughs> who is just completely terrible. So already, you know, he's more interesting Nor is definitely more more interested in him not just what he can do for her and a lot of it was kind of playing around with how much of his motivation do I reveal what do I hold back and it came together through rounds of editing as well it was not exactly where I wanted it to be in the first draft Mm -hmm. but something I found really important for me is that I need to give myself permission to write a really messy first draft it can be horrible. I don't even have to show it to anyone. I just have to finish it because then I can go back and the first thing I do when I edit is I create a reverse outline where I write a couple page outline of what I actually wrote because that often differs from my initial outline. And that really helps me see where the big changes need to be. Okay. So that was a good overview of seeing like okay, is Pell, is he too good? Is he too nice? Is he maybe a little too mean here? Uh, it kind of
0: helped me massage his, his character in later edits. That's so interesting. Yeah, I like the reverse outline idea. That's very cool. Not that I am a writer or have any writing experience, but I always love hearing about people's different processes because I feel like everybody goes through it differently. And if I were to ever put out any sort of piece of writing – hearing about what everybody's processes are, I feel like helps me formulate the kind of approach I would take. Yeah.
1: I I found it really helpful because after I gave myself permission to write a messy first draft and having 80,000 words and being like, okay, go edit. <laughs> just the idea of having this huge stack of words to edit was overwhelming. So sure, by doing a reverse outline, it gave me like three or four pages to edit from like a big picture. You know, I wasn't worried about grammar or You know, sentence structure at this level. I was just looking at plot. Mm -hmm. And for me, having my story condensed into a few pages was a much more digestible way of figuring out where the big changes need to be, as opposed to just looking at, you know,
0: a hundred pages. Sure. (laughs) So yeah, Pell is a very nuanced character as all of your characters are. And one thing that I just thought was so cool was that you were able to also build this very nuanced world and what was that like to build a world that has such a pointed social and political structure that ends up being so crucial to the plot of the story?
1: Yeah, I I really like creating worlds that have in a way real-world issues but in a fantasy setting and something I had learned once from an interview of Lee Bardugo that I really took took away f- from was that, you know, she starts some of her books with thinking of like where is the source of power from? Mm. And for me that's something I thought about a lot in this world of who has the power and how does that affect everyone? And so I kind of came up with several, you know, several different divisions of, you know, so you have the rich versus the poor, of, you know, the royal Casper and the royal family, um having all the wealth and nor coming into this world as someone who is, you know, poor and destitute and lying and scraping by to survive. So you had that kind of conflict. And then I also, another conflict was, you know, the humans versus the fae. And you get a lot there of, of the sense of a prejudice against the other, because the humans think of fairies as these, scary demon creatures and there's all these rumors about them because they don't know much about them. And I really wanted to play with the idea of th- their prejudice against the Fae because it is the other, because it is the unknown. And what I, I enjoy doing is, is creating sort of these prejudice and then being like, okay, but then how do the characters have to deal with what happens when they actually get to know someone? So it's not just this scary unknown other, but when Nor and Pell start to interact and realize that they, you know, are their prejudices correct or have they been mistaken? Have they been led to believe things that aren't true? And, you know, I think in the real world, and especially with writing YA, I think it's great to sort of break down these ideas of, you know, maybe your prejudice against someone or a group of people that you don't know, maybe those prejudices aren't correct and I love addressing
0: those issues in in fiction. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I think that's so cool and important that you were able to bring that to the world of YA. So tell me about your experience putting together the audiobook. What was it like working with Kathleen McInerney, um, you know, using some of these crazy words that you've made up, the names of the places, some of the curse words. Um, What was it like to hear also your work being dictated? It was so exciting. I have
1: always loved audiobooks. I live in Los Angeles, so I spend a lot of time in my car, and a lot of what I listen to is audiobooks, so getting my own audiobook was just super thrilling, (laughs) and it was fun. I got this almost frantic call from the studio, or I think the studio called Camcat, who called me, that they were recording the audio, that Kathleen was recording the audiobook, and they're like, we don't know how to pronounce these words, which Makes sense because I made them up. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of, as you mentioned, a lot of the places, something I love doing in fantasy is making up curse words. It kind of helps keep it a little more family friendly, but also sounding (laughs) authentically them if they're saying something that is a curse word in their world. Uh (laughs) So I got to have just this fantastic call with Kathleen. She's so nice. Where we basically went through her list of words that I had made up and got to go like Rinalis That is how I I imagine in my head. So it's really great now when I'm hearing it of like, oh, this is the biowood forest. And so hearing it, it was the same as, you know, what I imagined it would be. So it feels very authentic. And she just does such a great job. She has such a wide range. I mean I brag to people all the time that she also voices Ash in Pokemon. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> so my friends think that's super cool, and it was just really great. It brought the book to life in in a whole new different way. In a similar way, when I write uh, plays, to see them on stage, you're like, "Oh, I wrote these words, and now here they are." It was a similar feeling when I was listening to the audio book, going, "Oh, wow! They, it's it's alive. It's happening." So it was it was really fantastic.
0: Oh, wow. That is so cool. So, okay. I have two more questions for you before we let you go. Um, I guess the first one that might be better to ask is about your sequel to Goldspun that's coming out. Um, what can you tell us about Curse Undone? So the first thing is Curse Undone comes out October
1: 4th. Oh, so exciting. And I um, I just finished the final round of copy edits. So it is, you know, it's on its way. For Curse Undone, I think it's important for readers to know that Goldspun does leave you on a cliffhanger. Yes. But Curse But Curse Undone is the second in a duology. So it's gonna be two books. So with Curse Undone, it was really important for me to give, you know, a lot of trials and tribulations to overcome, but also to come up with a really satisfying ending. I wanted a very I wanted a very satisfying ending for for both Noor as well as for the readers. Uh, so that that was really important to me. A lot of Curse Undone takes place in the fairy realm mm. and the fairy land. So you get to find out a lot more about them, about, you know, their their issues. Um I don't wanna I don't wanna give away too much, but it was it was very fun, which I sort of started with Goldspone and got to really play off of in Curse Undone is sort of the the prejudices. That are built up and and hopefully broken down, um, but we'll see between humans and fairies because they have all these preconceived notions of each other. So once they're like really forced to interact, um, you know, and what what happens from that point. So I am I'm very excited to to give the second half of
0: this story. Oh, I'm so excited to read it. Our producer Gabe was talking about we were talking together about how much we loved it and how that ending just left us wanting so much more. So I'm so excited to see how it all resolves in Curse Undone. And before we let you go, I just have one more question for you. What are you reading right now?
1: Let's see what, uh, usually I have a couple of different books. I am, I'm finishing actually Gilded. Uh, okay. with Marissa Mayer, which is another Rumpelstiltskin retelling, and yes, I've been really enjoying that. And I just kind of can't wait for book, uh, book two on that. I also just recently finished, um, Anatomy, a love story by Dana Schwartz. I love her, her podcast is called Noble Blood, and it's about all these murders and stuff of royalty throughout Ooh. history, so it's really fun. So she's written this fictional book about a young woman in uh, old Edinburgh who wants to be a surgeon at the time when women really weren't allowed to and she runs across this resurrection man who's who's a grave robber who takes bodies and sells them to the medical schools because they're trying to learn about human anatomy and it's just it was a really fascinating story and it was clear she did so much research. And
0: you just feel really immersed in that world. So those are are my recent reads. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. That's really neat. How can we find you on social media? How can we find more of your work? What else are you doing that we can check
1: out? So my website is brandyjune.com. And it's Brandy with an I-E. And I have all of my socials listed up there. I'm on pretty much everything. uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, Twitter and I also list, you know, all the books that I've done, which is, you know, Goldspun's my debut, I have a couple anthologies, I have some graphic novel anthologies, and I also list the events that I have coming up, which I constantly refresh
0: and put kind of what where I'll be speaking and whether it's in person or virtual. So definitely make sure that you stay up to date with what Brandy's up to. Brandy, thank you so much for joining us here on CamCat Unwrapped. I had a wonderful time. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Brandy's book, Goldspun, is available in audiobook, ebook, and print formats on our website, camcatbooks.com. And don't forget to check back in with us in October for the release of her sequel, Curse Undone. You can find CamCat Unwrapped anywhere that you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube at CamCat Publishing. And make sure you follow us on social media at CamCat Books. Thanks so much for tuning in and unwrapping another book to live in with me. My name is Jess, and I'll see you next time here on CamCat Unwrapped.